The Phoenix Suns are back on the NBA preseason court on Thursday, and on today's episode of Locked On Suns, we keep it moving with three big storylines heading into preseason game number three. Josh Okogie, Grayson Allen, and more. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past seven seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your Thursday. Welcome to the show. We're free and available everywhere. Hit subscribe, hit follow wherever you're finding us. If you've not done so already, become an everydayer, get locked on to the Suns right along with me from now through what next july we're almost to 6000 subscribers i don't normally talk about the numbers and ask for things like that but let's just get there before the start of the season it's like 50 people we could get <laughs> we could probably get there by the end of the week like let's just do that uh so i can just start saying 6000 that will be nice really appreciate you guys aaron edwards is here to start us off uh heading into preseason game number 3 we're not going to do the late night on thursday um but we have a lot to talk about aaron so we were getting into it right before we hit record here on Josh Okogi, who I think is one of the standouts just because he's playing uh, more than a lot of other guys right now after the first two games, especially coming off of 7 of 13. How many points did he have uh, against the Nuggets? Like 20. Um, and just getting the starting spot in the first place. And, and you and I kind of went back and forth on that heading into the first preseason game. You thought it would be Okogi. I kind of wanted to jump off that already but he's proven me wrong and he's kind of proven you right seems like he has this position in the bag at least until he loses it yeah I think like in I think he was it was his to lose that was my thing and that's why I chose him it was mostly just if he stunk it up at practice that's the way he was going to lose it but he like Vogel said he chose him because he's played with him he's played in the playoffs he's played with that lineup He's played with Katie and book and he can mesh well with them and he knows his spots and he knows where to go. So that was like the reason I chose it was because he knows how to fit on the floor with them already. And that way you're not teaching a whole new person, having three dudes that know how to play each other from play with each other from the start. is just a good base to start at maybe in the future. Once uh, the new players get used to him, he'll be like, actually this lineup works better. But right now having three dudes that know each other and can mesh already is the smart way to go. The thing that I think I like, I'm the guy that always is talking about this from a Sun standpoint. So I don't know how I backed away from it so quickly. Um, but there's, I think, a lot of value in continuing with developing a player. And not only did they go out of their way to keep him, which they didn't do with some of the other guys we expected them to keep, like Landale or Tory Craig or whoever else, campaign even, but they did it with Kogi, and they're able to just start from such a higher baseline with him now where preseason and training camp and everything for him can now be about, to your point, playing off those guys, but also ball handling, initiating offense more, um, being used different ways within the offense, all that stuff. And so 
I think that it is the smart thing to do. And the other part that I think I underestimated is how much Frank Vogel would value having a point-of-attack defender. We talked about it all offseason, that that was one of the things the Suns weren't going to have. And I think I just convinced myself, well, they'll just play defense differently. And I just have to stop thinking about it that way. But maybe I, you know, our original read on everything was right as, as you know, Suns fans and, and followers here. It's just like, yeah, they actually do need that, and, and he's going to provide it. And I think you're already seeing the, the ripple effect of that is Yusuf Nurkic's life looks a lot easier. Um, Steven Perjone had a good video on, on Twitter, Twitter and on his YouTube channel breaking down the two-man defense that they were playing. And they each made some mistakes, but if you're worried about Nurkic, Akogi's definitely the guy you want chasing around ball handlers and limiting how much Nurkic, how much ground he has to cover and everything else. So considering I just listed off like three different things that are good about it, I probably should have just trusted that and, uh, and expected him to be out there. And now Kade Bates-Diop, who I thought doesn't even seem like he's playing. Yeah, I think the Kogi thing is, like, he played, like, real minutes. I think that was the other part. When Book and KD would sit, when we were, like, floundering and looking awful yeah. and talking about the lottery, Kogi was still <laughs> on the floor, like, learning and getting, like, real playing time that was going to yeah. be useful later regardless. So I think, like, that was a big part of it, too. And Vogel knows, like, he played with some terrible lineups and he fought through those games still. Like he still played pretty well. He, he had a really good stretch when we were playing bad. He was playing pretty well. So I think something yeah. like that, like passes over too. Is once, that a compliment? Like, Is that actually a compliment? I mean, he was, he was being, great like, when they were bad. I mean, he, he was, it wasn't like empty stats. He wasn't shooting like 30% and score. Like he was doing everything and still helping. Like, I think that means something when you're going to be, a fifth option on the floor. <laughs> like I think yeah. once you're called upon, I think that's just going to be a lot easier knowing that you played and you played like real minutes during like an entire stretch. And that's well, why I think that's Adam was kind of weird. <laughs> it was weird. And maybe that had to do in part with why some people didn't expect that he would be the guy this year. Um, even though there was a new coaching staff and everything, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the, understanding of his role I think it does go a long way and I think it gets overlooked a lot because um to me that's that's the thing I'm starting to worry about with Bates Diop at least early on in the season is it just doesn't feel like he's ready to play like a fifth starter <laughs> you know it seems yeah. like he wants to play like a third starter because that's kind of what he's been maybe not on all of his rosters but at least on the floor in any given lineup it's been his job to, to kind of get buckets and so even with the Spurs last year, when he did finally take more threes and make more threes, he was scoring too. And so that's an adjustment. But from a minute standpoint, to, to kind of back up what you're saying in terms of that experience, Kogi's played 6,300, basically 6,400 minutes in his NBA career. Nasir Little has played just shy of 3,300. And Keita Bates-Diop has played almost exactly 3,900. So he's pretty much doubling those guys up in terms of experience out there um so i think that will go a long way at least early on but the other guy in the mix here that i think has risen up that maybe changes our expectations is Yudawat nabe seems like he's just in this rotation like he is the backup forward for this team what have you thought of of his play and how he kind of fits out there with the different types of lineups they're going to throw out um more willing defender than i thought he was going to be i think uh, vogel talked about that too that was like the main thing it was like we kind of just put him down as a minus on defense just off of being a shooter. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I hadn't seen enough of his games, I guess, but he tries hard on defense. He's 
like really aggressive and I didn't expect that either. He's smart. He knows exactly where he's supposed to be. And he like he can run the floor and he he can put the ball on the floor too. That was the, another big surprising thing. Like mm. he's way more like fleshed out and confident than I actually thought he was. I thought he was just going to sit in the corner, shoot open shots. Like no, he can put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, play make like all that stuff and that's the bigger surprise for me is the other stuff. Yeah, his uh his two most high minute seasons when he actually was in rotations and healthy which was 2 years ago with Toronto and last year with Brooklyn. He was basically a neutral defender um, in terms of box plus minus, which is, you know, at least the closest kind of estimate yeah. you can probably get. And then assist to turnover, he's pretty much two assists for every turnover over his whole career at this point, which isn't a lot of either one. Yeah. It's only 122 assists and 70 <laughs> turnovers, but it's like there's Joel Embiid's like negative in that stat. So it's not even, you know, it's not like it's always, uh, or he's barely a positive. It's so, it's not a given that everybody can do that you know um move the ball just make the right decision all that stuff so i think that goes a long way i think they're fine playing a little smaller and i don't just mean height wise i just mean yuda's not as you know forceful and athletic as little or or bates diop or or any you know some of these other guys even metu but you know if he's gonna at least execute the defense and make open shots make the right decision then i think he can fit with bench lineups or with the starters and i think that goes a long way too yeah, if he's going to play this hard on defense, I'm not sure he's necessarily going to be the fourth starter, but I think that he can be first person off the bench every once in a while, depending on how Vogel's feeling. Like, we're going to talk about other players later, but I can see him. He he gives you enough space to, like, make really cool decisions throughout the season. So, like, I can see Vogel wanting to do weird stuff if he's going to be neutral on defense and depending on how we're playing and, we're going to score. So I think that that's going to be taken into account too. Like we're scoring regardless, but if he wants to change the pace and make other teams make even harder decisions, I can see him like kind of doing some crazy stuff with the lineup. Well, and he's a legit six, nine too. So that does help. And he's just bigger than I think you would realize not watching him every day. And, you know, I think, especially if there are nights where guys are out, you could see him, being valuable, taking on a little more usage, putting up a little more in the way of shots. Just no matter what kind of night it might be over the course of the season, it just feels like there's a way for him to make an impact. So that's the type of guy that gets minutes. Another guy that I think somewhat surprisingly, mostly because we didn't even know he was going to be on the roster till about two weeks ago, who has gotten a lot of minutes, feels like a major part of this rotation is Grayson Allen. Not only that, but he is extension eligible. We will talk about whether... His addition to this team, as well as his play so far and how he fits, might impact the Suns' thinking on whether to give him a new contract before the start of the season. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, and you can snap into action with FanDuel all football season long. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the time. No better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options with that initial $5, as well as the bonus bets you get back, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I believe the Cardinals are still seven-point underdogs on the road. The Rams actually look a little more worrisome than I uh, than I thought at the beginning of the year. So maybe maybe that's an avoid coming off of an ugly Cardinals game. But 
the entire NFL slate, WNBA finals, NBA futures, NBA opening night stuff is already there. All of it at FanDuel.com. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So Grayson Allen, Aaron, uh, just tell me what you've thought of his fit because I thought when they first got him in the trade, it made sense. He's a vet. He's proven. He is kind of a, a contract that makes sense to, to acquire for a future trade, all these different things. But I just felt conflicted because I didn't know how he was going to be able to play with Eric Gordon instead of Eric Gordon. It just felt like there was too much overlap. And I guess another one that I overthought because, again, they're fine going small, meaning they'll play both of them and Beal and Booker. You know, they'll they'll do yeah. all that. And, and so it just makes him a pretty, like, seamless fit so far. Yeah, and I think in just like small spurts, like I'm comfortable with if Book and Beal need to sit sometimes and Gordon and Grace Allen are our two guards out there. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm fine with Book and Beal sitting sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I like I didn't know I would be this confident in Grace and Allen, but he he seems comfortable. He likes getting to the rim. He can shoot. Like he's decent at playmaking. Like I just didn't expect all this stuff to come together. Um because in Milwaukee, I guess he didn't really get that many opportunities to be a ball handler. You got Giannis on the floor. He's going to have the ball in his hand. So I think Vogel, he wants to run on misses and makes. So it's going to give all the guards an opportunity to handle the ball. Pretty much everybody gets to run it. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, he's been running down sometimes. Like I think this offense is so fluid that they're going to play the same regardless. It wasn't like Book would sit or Chris Paul would sit and then the pace would maybe speed up or – book would be out there without Chris Paul and then the pace would speed up or Chris Paul would be sitting and campaign will be out there and the pace would be all over the place. I think there's only one speed and it's go with this team. And I think when you have guards that can handle and shoot and get to the rim, you can play that and you can sit your, like you can sit your stars a little bit longer. Yeah. And it's just another one of those things to the point you were making about a Kogi versus the other guys and, Yuta and everything else, it does seem like they're leaning, I don't want to say conservative, but they're trying to establish a baseline. I think I do, and Fogel's said this already, that they will experiment with rotations, with style, with all this stuff over the course of the season. But it seems like they definitely also want to just hit the ground running. And again, just not safe. I'm not saying it'll be a bad thing, but just have a baseline of vets and a style that everybody can commit to so that you don't come out of the gates feeling confused or uncertain about your identity. I think that'll go a long way. Um, it's also just, uh, with Grayson Allen, um, the man cannot uh, catch a break with the questions about the dirty player. Like He tried <laughs> to quiet it down on uh, Media Day, and he was like, I've been asked this question every single time I do interviews or Media Day or anything for every single season of my career. He's like, got pretty vulnerable like I had to be really like contemplate stuff and you know I, I don't know if he said he like talked to a therapist or anything like that but he, he made it seem like he was doing significant work and owning up to that reputation but he was kind of trying to ask us to shut up about it <laughs> and then Mark McClune shout out to Mark McClune I get that you have to do it but they do the the sit down with Grayson Allen yesterday for the new uh, channel and it's like how do you feel that everybody thinks you kick everybody in the nuts it's like <laughs> Can he just play shooting guard and like put up some threes? Like it, he can't catch a break with it. 
I think he just has like one month left of it. So I think if he can just okay. weather this, I I think it might even be over yet. I mean, unless he goes off and it's a TNT game and he has to talk to Chuck. I think like yeah, other than so. that, like he might be good to go. <laughs> what I was going to say about him uh, at Media Day that made me think of that is he basically alluded to what you're saying, which is that I think it was he pointed out his sophomore year at Duke was the one where he was on ball a lot. And then ever since then, he's sort of had to fade into a smaller role, but obviously has performed well doing that. But even you said Milwaukee, even in Memphis, he was uh, playing next to Ja and, you know, Desmond Bain and even Tyus Jones is a a really good player who obviously had the ball in his hand. So maybe there is an opportunity for him to do a little bit more of that when there's no point guard at any point in this rotation. So anyone who can handle the ball will handle the ball, but Let's uh, jump to the extension side of things. So I confirmed this. Bobby Marks had it in the Bucks season uh, off-season preview, and I had it right. I mean, it, as long as a player signs a multi-year deal, more than, I think, three seasons or three or more seasons, and they play two of them, they become extension eligible. He is now extension eligible as of October 1st. He will be extension el- eligible until October 23rd, which is the last day before the season starts. So... He's kind of underpaid right now, Aaron, in my opinion. $9 million for what he is. I think if they extend him, they have to do it understanding that they're giving him a a raise. And I think that it would be no more than probably two years beyond this one because that's when Durant's uh, contract ends. That's when Nurkic's contract ends. And you're going to have to kind of reset the team a little bit. So I don't think they'll do anything longer than that. But I could, I mean, what do you think he would get? Like, who, who's the comp in your mind? And I can pull up some contracts here. But, like, is there a player that jumps to mind where you're like, he's basically that guy who just got paid? Um, I don't know. Like, he's... I thought of Shamit, like- just from a Sun standpoint. And <laughs> even he got more money than Grayson Allen got. He got, yeah. like, 12 yeah, but we we knew that was bad already. I think that I think he might get up. I think he might get twelve. I was gonna say twelve at first, but okay. yeah. I well, Eric Gordon's getting older, and I can see maybe even by the end of this season, depending on how it goes, Grayson Allen could be our first guy off the bench. Like it could turn into something like that pretty quick. So I think if he's legit your sixth man on a team that's supposed to make a strong push in the playoffs, and you trust him that much to be the first guy off the bench for Beal or Book or something. Then yeah, you're looking at twelve. Cause Shamit got twelve and he shouldn't have been on the floor sometimes. And we didn't even know what position he was playing sometimes. So I think if you have a first we didn't even know who our sixth man really was last year. It was all over the place. Mm-hmm. So I think if he has that spot solidified, then yeah, he's probably gonna get up to twelve. It kind of depends on and, and it's probably a little uncomfortable, but you know, Grayson Allen's been traded three times now, so it's not as if it's it's news to him, the business side of all of this, but trade date. it's one of those <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those negotiations that's gonna inevitably be a little bit like you probably have to overpay him because him and his agent will know that a big part of why you're doing the extension is to have him as a trade chip. You know yeah. what I mean? So Maybe that actually works in Allen's favor if he's amenable to taking the money early before hitting free agency, that he can get a little bump because, one, it's more money that they could trade, so that helps, especially now that they're not going to be able to combine salaries and all that different stuff after this year. Um, Plus, they just have the comfort of knowing they're not going to lose him. But as far as money, I think he could get more because... More than 12? I'm looking... 
More than 12 because Gary Harris, 13 this year. Um, Doug McDermott, 14. Luke Kennard, 14. Caldwell Pope, 15. And Max Struess, 16. Those are all guys who signed contracts relatively recently. Kevin Herter, better shooter than Grayson Allen, more versatile kind of off-ball guy, but he's at 16.2. Bruce Brown got like 22, but that's an over... You know, that's that's the Pacers (laughs) overpay. But, I mean... It's like kind of feels like 15, 14, 15 might be the benchmark. And I feel like I would just take that if I'm him, honestly. That's a lot of money. And I don't know how much more you're going to, how much better are you really going to do in free agency, considering most of the time bad teams are the only ones that have any money. Yeah. And just as for situationally, like, you know what happens when people get to Phoenix and once they live here for a little bit, like that kind of, that kind of comes into play every once in a while. So yeah, I can see him getting more, but we'll see how much he actually just wants to play on this team and be in a place. (laughs) Yeah. And playing with this team, a coach that I'm sure values him just from a, you know, kind of physicality and defensive standpoint. And to your point, he's lived in uh, salt Lake city, Milwaukee and Memphis. So, (laughs) and then before that he grew up in Jacksonville, lived in obviously North Carolina. So look, I mean, yeah, Phoenix sounds pretty nice. I'm sure uh, I think he's married. I'm sure there might be a little, hey, like, what if we just stayed here? You know, (laughs) that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, yeah, I I think I could easily see this getting done. um, And I think it would benefit both sides. On the note of roster spots, money, all that stuff, the Suns are still evaluating the roster in terms of two cuts that they need to make because of the DeAndre Ayton trade, because of the arrival of Grayson Allen, who will not be getting cut. We'll talk about who we think might how the injuries are playing a part, and what we've seen in preseason is playing a part, all after one more quick break. All right, let's close out the show. I hate to start here, but is it we in know terms it of already. the Suns roster? <laughs> we know who it is, is it just already. the guys that are hurt? Yes. I mean, it sucks that, that sucks. those guys, but he was... Damian Lee, he played way above what I thought he was going to play last year. But let's be honest, I've said this before, he was the 13th dude on a championship team, and he was playing real minutes for us. Like, we needed him to play those minutes. And Ish Wainwright, like, he did hit some big shots, like, throughout the season. But at the same time, like, it was just a weirdly constructed roster. And we had a dude, we had a coach that played everybody, and he made uh, dudes, like, kind of play minutes that they shouldn't have been playing. Like he kind of just was all over the place with minutes and who got DMPs, who didn't like all that stuff. So I think like on this type of team, yes, they're the 14th and 15th dude or 16th and 17th dude. Like, I think that's just how it got constructed regardless of injuries. I just think that's what it was going to look like. Well, and I think it's connected to the Grayson Allen thing because if there was any reason to keep Damian Lee prior to the injury, it was just because, hey, exactly what happened last year. If there are injuries, you could do a lot worse than a an unselfish shooter who plays pretty hard and is well-liked in the locker room and all that stuff. Like, that's kind of... That's why he's been able to stick in the league since he broke through a few years ago. But at the same time, Grayson Allen is a better version of that now. They already had Eric Gordon. You know, if Yuta's going to play, then that's another one. So it just lessens the need. I just, I hate the idea of a guy having an injury that leads to that, but 
on the other side, if I'm making if I'm making the argument that they might not cut him, that it might still be Keon Johnson uh, or something like that, I guess it would just be we know that there's somewhat of a relationship with Durant, and yeah. he is a vet. He is well liked. It's a lot easier to kind of just stomach. Hey, we're gonna cut the the rookie or not the guy on his rookie deal who we just traded for two weeks who nobody knows. You know what I mean? Like that's it's kind of easier to do. But uh, I don't know if you have thoughts on that. But I think to me, Ish is probably a lot to get cut, regardless yeah. of the injury. I, it sucks for him, but he's non guaranteed. He he doesn't do anything that other players don't already do. It's just there's not really a role for him. Yeah, I think that. The way I think Damian Lee can still make the cut, especially with the KD thing, and he can still contribute. Like he really can still do stuff on the floor. And I think like this isn't like a Thanasis situation. Like I think if KD says like we can still use them, just familiar faces, vibes on the bench, all that. Like we can't cut everybody that used to be on this team. Like I think that just true. for That's vibe reasons, too. just to like keep some of the same guys. And if it comes down to those two, I can see them going with the guy on the rookie deal too to just get rid of. And maybe the injury isn't as bad and that doesn't end up being a massive factor in it. You know, I don't know. Like it, they're being really coy about it. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know what that means. It's um, supposed to be a part- six to eight week injury. So like if it's like a meniscus meniscus, then it's six to eight weeks, but they haven't really said anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Depending on the extent of the tear and how they treat it and everything. Plus like that was the tech, technically the timeline with cam last year, but then it's like six to eight weeks plus conditioning and you don't want anything to happen again in the future. So you want to be careful. I don't know. I feel like it never ends up being six weeks, you know? Um, but the Keon Johnson part of it, you know, there's the, there's obviously the aspect of he, he's played fine. Like, I think you can see defensively, like he kind of projects as like, could he be a better, maybe a little bit less of a point guard, but kind of like a, bigger Saban Lee. I mean, they're kind of similar yeah. guys and the sons have wanted to keep Saban. So you could see that, um, at the same time he makes more money. So I don't know if that's good or bad because they could trade, they could see Keon as somebody they could add to a trade down the line. And he makes like double what Damian Lee makes, or they could be like, we just don't want to pay that, which they already did with Sharich and campaign. And I saw a headline from Bloomberg that HP is trying to get more investors to the team. He's already feeling the the crunch, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so maybe Keon gets the axe because he just he can't spend the the four million. I don't know. I don't know how the money part will will play in. Yeah. Um, well, we already knew that there were going to be some money decisions that had to be made. I mean, we're also spending a bunch, so I think that all of that was just going to come into play. I don't think the the Keon Johnson thing is going to like be that though. I think it's just going to come down to who can contribute and does KD want one of these people? <laughs> Not Booker. He doesn't get a say. He doesn't know any of these guys, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm pretty confident. I, I think you're right. I think it'll be ish and it'll be Damian Lee. Uh let's look forward for just a couple minutes to the game tonight. I think the main thing I'm looking for, obviously, do the stars play. The, the Aiton factor. There was a post going kind of uh, viral on the Sun subreddit of uh, it was a screenshot of the Blazer subreddit with like a big long takeaways from preseason post. And it was just like verbatim complaints that Suns fans had had about Aiton for years. 
like turned off, turned the ball over on a couple of catches on the roll, took a 13 foot hook shot instead of going through his smaller defender, all this stuff. And I'm like, thank God we're not having to deal with that anymore. But, um, so that'll, that'll play in, but Jordan Goodwin might make his debut and he's kind of the other guy that I don't think he's going to get cut, but he's at the end of the roster. We haven't yet to see him gotten to see him yet. I think if he had been healthy, he would have been the guy playing all those Saban lean minutes on Tuesday night. What are you expecting from him? Do you think there's a chance that he really takes advantage of the last few preseason games and becomes somebody we're talking about as a rotation guy? Or do you think it's sort of a wait and see end of the season? Let's see if you can break out type of thing. I think it could be wait and see, but if he can like use the minutes that he has right now to show that he can be a point guard, like we don't need any more half and half dues. Like I think that if he can show that he can just run the offense Sometimes if we decide not to do the run and gun thing and he could just show that he can be a point guard and kind of slow the pace down and all that stuff, I think Vogel's going to kind of have to keep him. We're going to need like a point guard sometimes. So I think we, if we have a young dude that can prove that he can be the point guard on this team, that Vogel will definitely start looking at him that way. I mean, look, if they still reportedly want TJ McConnell, then they'll <laughs> play Jordan Goodwin because yeah. <laughs> it's just the – you know, younger, less proven TJ McConnell, and they already have him. Um, at the same time, I've said all off season that I think it's him or Akogi in the rotation. And the fact that Akogi, which we started with, has played pretty well and seems to have the trust of the coaching staff, I don't think that means good things for Goodwin. But also, I think it's perfectly reasonable that he could play spot minutes this year, still have, you know, the trust of the front office maybe even sign an extension next offseason and still be part of the future plans for this team because he is a younger player. He has a relationship with with Beal. I mean, he's younger. He's about to be 25 because he broke in late, but less experienced. So there's no reason to rush it. Uh, if he breaks out, if he makes an impact good, if not, I think that's fine too. So uh, either way, it will be nice to see him because we barely saw him in preseason. He missed the first two, uh, or we barely saw him in summer league. He's missed the first two preseason games. So I'm just excited to see what he can do uh, with the starters, with the other guys, et cetera. But that will wrap us up for the day. We'll have a recap of Suns Blazers on Thursday night to close out the week. More preseason over the weekend into next week as the Suns really packed their schedule, which is nice for all of us who want to watch <laughs> basketball. Hit follow, hit subscribe, get that recap, get all the shows next week and beyond in your feed with me. And I'll talk to you then.